And over the course of time, our, our faith is tested. Now, um, I want to talk to you about that today. I love that, that bit. I hadn't thought about that from, you know, the Tower of Babel, you know, before, you know what you read, from, what James read from Genesis, actually, that basically, isn't that amazing that, that fallen humanity together, God said there's nothing impossible. I hadn't really thought about it before. So what is possible for us? And it, it says, um, Jesus summarized this. He said, uh, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, this is Matthew 17, verse 20, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Nothing will be impossible for you. And how much faith do you need? Small as a mustard. That, that's, that's, that, the mustard seed is, uh, as I understand it, I'm not sure I've ever seen one, is, 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 is particularly small seed that you can... Blow it off your hand and it, it'll be gone. It's not, 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 not one of these big seeds. It's almost minuscule. You'd basically, God's saying that, that, that faith is the most powerful thing on planet Earth. Faith in the living God. Okay? I, I want you to get hold of that. Faith in the living God is the most powerful thing on planet Earth. Because it gives you access to all the resources of heaven. So... Is it then surprising if that faith is challenged and tested? No, is the answer to that. Okay, no. These are easy questions. Easy, easy Help me. Say, no, Pete. And they say, yes, Pete, at the appropriate moments. And sometimes it's, it's no surprise that our faith is contested and challenged because there is an enemy who, who wants to contest this. But also, is it is it a surprise that God wants to make sure we've got the genuine article of faith, not just some believism. Okay? Because Christian faith is actually, it's faith in God, not, not a belief around certain issues. And there is a, there is a big difference. Um, and uh, so when people say, oh, I haven't got faith for that, I thought, no, you're not meant to have faith for that. You're meant to have faith in God who can do that. It's quite simple. Okay, so... It's not, so we're not meant to have our own faith in our own ability to, to, to fix things. We're meant to have faith in the living God who can fix all things, who's the creator of all things, who has all the answers. And so, so uh, you know, I'm, I'm, one of my dreams, I'm praying for, uh, within the world, a vaccine to be found that will cure or prevent HIV infection and AIDS. I'd love that to happen, okay? Where is that solution? Where does it rest right now? Does it rest in somebody's mind or does it rest in heaven, ready to be downloaded to somebody's mind. Uh, faith makes those things possible because God's got all the answers. Um, and what I want to talk to you today about is, is, is trials and suffering. And I think, why? Well, because it's important, because it will happen. And we often get confused um, why trials and suffering happens and and i want to try and help you understand it i've got it takes me a while i was, I was preparing this morning i thought oh I, I could go on for hours on this and it, 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 in one sense it probably deserves it because it is such a big subject how, how many know that, that the most common question that would be asked about a loving the concept of a loving god is why does he allow suffering then that's, that's the, the most common question that you'll come across when, when you're trying to introduce people to the concept of a loving Heavenly Father who is only good. So, well, if he's only good, why? Why, why, why? And um, uh, so I want to try and uh, touch that. I might need to come back to it, but um, 
because we'll see how far we get. But I want to tell you, there are good answers. And as always within Christianity, the answer is very simple. So what's the, what's the answer likely to be in one word? Jesus. That's the, that's the answer. Okay, so this is the Sunday school answer. It's simple and it's not, it's not that tricky. Um, but we make it more tricky than it is. So if I can get my iPad working. Um, so Hebrews 12 verses 1 to 3 um, says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Now that's an important word. Perseverance is, 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 is not a popular word um, within culture. Generally, we live in a very instant culture. And one of the things, one of the challenges we have, um, because we do honestly believe that the resources of heaven are instantly available to us here and now, I expect them to be, is actually the challenge of perseverance. But it's actually very much part of the Christian life, perseverance. So, so, and it actually talks about that actually run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. Because if you don't run with perseverance, you probably won't get to the end. And unfortunately, some people stop running their race because of the difficulties of trials and suffering. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Always a good idea. The author and what? Perfecter of our faith. So, so Jesus gives you faith to start with, but what does he then do? He perfects it. There's a process of your faith that, that Jesus wants to take you on. Not just has he given you faith to start. He wants to give you faith that will finish. And in, en route, he wants to perfect your faith. There is a process that goes on in life where Jesus is determined to perfect, perfect your faith. Why? So that you can see the impossible happen. So that this earth can be changed by the realities of God's power at work in us and through us. So people couldn't be raised from the dead. It has happened. In 1995, I personally saw two people raised from the dead. One in Mexico and one in this country. It was actually Anne who's been leading the meeting. It was her husband. She and I prayed for him in the hospital when he'd actually been declared clinically dead and he came, he came back to life. We weren't at his bedside at the time, but they told him he's gone. They came back and told us twice that he'd gone. This was in King's College Hospital. And he came back, didn't he? And he was not just come back, he was completely restored to health and back working in his job within a few months' time. Three months before that, one of my best friends, who I'd led to Jesus, dropped dead in front of my children as they were playing at his house. I was there shortly afterwards, and I tried to resuscitate him medically. I didn't succeed. I then prayed for him for about four hours to be raised from the dead. Went back the next day to pray for him to be raised from the dead. I went back, I think it was five days later, pulled him out of the, the fridge in the morgue and prayed for him to be raised from the dead, and he wasn't. And the next week, I performed his funeral and buried him in the ground. See, I could have given up at that point. 
what do you do? What do you do in those times? I was used to this. Really was. I was not happy, funny. When you put yourself out there for God, right out there. Well, I mean right out there. Can't go much further out there, really. I don't think. So, so wh- where do you go when it doesn't work? Well, I only know one place to go, and that's back to Him. Because he's my comforter, he's the one who restores my hope, he's the lover of my soul, he's the prince of peace, he's the one who gives me peace that guard my heart and mind, he's the one who gives me courage and hope to then try again. Do you know it took courage to go for it again? Consider Jesus the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. There's the key. When you're going through trials and, and tests, there is a temptation to grow weary and lose heart. How do you not do that? through considering Jesus. Because it tells you Jesus had to go through it in a way that, that is beyond what any of us could ever experience. But there was a secret that helped him go through it, which was what? For the joy set before him. For the joy set before him. And I want to tell you, and this is, this is short, and I hope I'll be able to, I'm going to demonstrate it through, through the Bible, that actually the outcome of the trials and tests, if you allow yourself to consider Jesus and draw close to him, is actually inexpressible joy. That's what it says. The outcome is, if you will allow yourself to go on the journey, is actually inexpressible joy. Let me, let me tell you this. Where is it? Ooh. I'll start to get excited about it. Okay. 1 Peter 1, verse 3 to 9 says this, okay? Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Wow! And into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you. Isn't that, just imagine that. There's an inheritance that's, that's, that's in heaven. Actually, and, and I understand there's an inheritance that we can tap into in, in this life, but there, there's a, an even greater element of your, your inheritance which you will not see this side of glory, but it's kept there and it will never perish, spoil or fade. That, that, should, that should be enough to get you joyful. <laughs> Who through faith, through what? Through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice. So choose to rejoice in those truths, okay? Those truths. For, and then it says, in this you greatly joy, rejoice, though now for a little while. What? What? When it says a little while, what's it comparing to? Eternity. Now, for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him. And listen to this. And are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Wow! 
inexpressible and glorious joy, for you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. You have something within you that's, that, that God has given you, which is a gift of faith. Okay, if you haven't got a gift of faith, um, then you, you haven't been born again yet, okay? Because you can only be born again because he gives you the faith to believe. If you're not born again yet, see me after this. We'll make sure it happens if you want it to happen. I'm serious. Because, this, because what happens, God puts something inside you, which is faith, which is actually him. It's, it's trusting him. It's faith in him. He puts an ability for you to, to trust him. And he says it's worth more than what? Gold. Okay. How many of you would like a nice big pile of gold as a retirement plan? Okay. Anybody up for that? Nice big pot of gold. Because what do you think you can exchange it for? Because gold in itself isn't actually useful. Apart from making rings and stuff like that. It's a currency that you can bank on. Okay, I've got some gold here. I've got two bits. Tom's interested now, aren't you, Tom? What do you think of this, Tom? What's that look like? Does that look like gold? I'm not going to give it to you, I'm afraid. Does that look like gold? You think it is gold? You do? What do you think? Sorry? You think it's God's love? Well, I'm just asking, do you think it's gold? You don't think, why not? Yeah, gold's a stone. What do you think, Mark? It looks like gold. It does look like gold, doesn't it? Anybody think this is really gold? Why don't you think it's really gold? <laughs> you think there'd be security core around here or something like that? Why don't you think this is really gold? It looks like it, doesn't it? I could give this to Dennis instead of my tithes. What do you think? Would you, would you accept that, Dennis, instead of my tithes this month? Probably not. No, probably, probably not. Probably not. Why? Do you know what? It, um, it looks like it, but it isn't. This is called fool's gold. I'm pyrites. How do you know it's not gold? What, what, what do you have to do to find out this isn't gold? Test it. It needs to be tested and examined. Because I would look pretty foolish at the end of my career if I'd put all my pension plans in collecting this stuff and banking upon it and going to Dennis as my bank manager and say, right, here's my pension plan. Cash it in. He say, oh no, that, that's fool's gold. You've been a fool. That's not the genuine stuff. That isn't genuine gold. See, God doesn't want you to have fool's faith. He wants you to have the genuine stuff. And sometimes you can think you've got faith and actually really find you haven't when it's tested. Now, faith is something that you will take with you into eternity. Did you know that? There's three things that says pass through the passage of death. What are they? Faith, hope, and love. These three abide. It says faith, hope, and love. <clears throat> and the, the key issue about that is actually that faith is about your relationship with God. 
It's how much do you know him and trust him? How much of his reality is accessible in and through your life right now? So if I ask Martin Steele to pray for me because I'm sick, what I need is, is, is to touch Jesus through him. Because Martin can't heal me in of, of himself, can you, Martin? <laughs> but through his faith, genuine faith, he can connect me with the realities of heaven. Okay, with, with faith, nothing is impossible for you. God does not want you to lose your reward. He's gunning for you to have the biggest reward possible in heaven. Kept in heaven for you. reward, And that is why your faith will be tested. But it also results in joy in this life. So trials come. These trials come, it says, so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. That's what it's talking about. When Jesus Christ comes back, what's going to be given to you? And I think this is not just about praise, glory, and honor going to God. This is, this is going to be you. Well done. Look at that. Angels applauding. He walked with faith. Sometimes I wonder what it was like when Enoch disappeared from this. You know, Enoch, Enoch didn't die, he just got taken up to heaven. I wonder what the applause of heaven was like for him. Your faith is worth more than gold, it's eternal. And it makes everything possible here on planet Earth. Is that not amazing? So, anybody going through a tough time at the moment? Don't have to put your hands up. <laughs> there, there, are, there are enough trials. Basically, there's a promise in the Bible that, that doesn't often get preached on, and I'm not going to sort of preach about it today, but I'm just going to mention it. It says that every day has enough trouble of its own. Okay, oh, that's good. Thanks very much. Every day, you see, you don't have to go looking for extra, okay? You don't have to talk. I remember when, when I was um, some naive uh, young Christian and uh, there was this idea that, that you looked at the Chinese church that was being persecuted and they, they were amazing and they were pure and they saw miracles and we had this idea that what the British church needed was a good dose of persecution to knock us into shape. Anybody else remember going through that? Yeah, that's what we British church can do with a good dose of persecution. That'll knock us into shape. And (laughs) look at that. And then I thought, that's just stupid, isn't it, really? You you don't have to seek persecution. It it will find you. It will find you. Here's, Here's a promise, okay? It says, if you want to live a godly life, you will be persecuted. There's a great promise. If you want to live a godly life, you will be persecuted. It will come in different ways. It comes in different ways. You'll be rejected. People say things about you. I remember, not being funny, in, in a number of years ago, around this area, actually there was a graffiti hate campaign against me personally. 
and our church. It was it, my name was up there in paint on walls of post offices and that place over towards Blue Water. And in the end, we had to take it to the police and they treated it as a hate crime. It wasn't pleasant. And it basically said 10% Pete because I, I preached about tithing. It had to come from within the context of our church. That was kind of tough to take. I thought, well, the best way to deal with this is make sure I keep preaching about it. Seriously, because I, I remember, I thought, somebody's trying to make me afraid. And I refuse to give in to fear. See, the test of my faith that is, are you going to give in to this? Are you going to give in to fear? Or are you going to say, hold on, no, this is what the Bible says. How about Abraham? Anybody has some delays in answers to prayer? Romans chapter 4. Against all hope, this is Romans chapter 4, verse 18. Against all hope, that means... <laughs> that hope was it, was, it was silly to keep on hoping. Don't be, this is where people, don't be stupid, don't be unreasonable, it's not going to happen. You ever heard that? It's not going to happen, forget it. Against all hope, Abraham, what? In hope, believe. <laughs> See, Abraham refused to give in to the, it's hopeless. So no, there's a temptation here, trial. Now, his trial was <laughs> pretty long, because it actually went on for 25 years. God gave him a promise, you're going to be the father of many nations. That came when he was 75. Actually, he didn't have his child until he was 100. His wife was stud off. 65 when he got the promise, 90 when she had the baby. So against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Now, look at this. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old, and that Sarah's womb was also dead. So imagine getting up in the morning and looking in the mirror at yourself, and then you look across at your wife, and then and you think, father of many nations. Fat chance. It's hopeless, or is it? So his temptation would have been, and his trial would have been, to give up hope. But he said, no, in, and he refused to be weakened in his faith. But it says this, <laughs> he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God. Uh, that, that is an amazing statement. Because actually we can, we can be tossed around by all sorts of things. But I want to tell you, if you, if you waver around the fact of God's promises, you will struggle. Because he has promised amazing things and he is faithful. So here's a promise I want to sort of just throw out there. God works all things for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. There's a promise to you. God will work it out for good if you trust him. Okay, so he, he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith. So as he kept going, it didn't just actually, his faith wasn't just challenged and diminished. He actually grew in faith. And this is one of the great things. When you overcome challenges, you grow in faith. Your faith is perfected in the process of challenges and trials and difficulties because it, you, have, you have to go back to God to find the answers. And what, what it means is you grow in faith is you grow in relationship with God. So, so God, I don't understand. 
I need you. My friend has just died. He hasn't been raised from the dead. What do I need at that moment? I need you to comfort me. I need your arms around me. When I, I understand that he is then the lover of my soul, my, my, you know, I'm caught up in him. My, my trust in him is increased because in that most difficult of times, I found he is true. That he is faithful, that he is honest. He was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded. This is my fully persuaded that God had power to do what he promised. Are you fully persuaded that God will do what he's promised? Now, now, I would honestly say most of us people are partially persuaded. Does God want to heal every sick person? Yeah, are we fully persuaded or are we partially persuaded? I would suggest probably, and I'm including myself in this, we're partially persuaded at the moment. We're seeing more and more, so we're getting even more persuaded. But, and I'm on the route to being fully persuaded, yes? But that, that's where my faith takes it. That's the journey of faith. I want to be fully persuaded so that I'm assured when I pray for the sick, they're going to get healed. Because it's faith that, that makes that work. It's faith that heals people. But en route, your faith will be tested so that you can get to that place where you're fully persuaded, where you have an assurance of faith, so that the impossible becomes possible. How about, does God discipline us? Does he? He does. Okay. So you think, wow, wow. That's a tough, tough one. God wants to discipline. Do you know, it says actually, if you're not disciplined, you're not a real son. Hebrews chapter 12. Now, Hebrews chapter 12 verse 5 is a strange verse, okay? Have you forgotten that word of encouragement? Okay, so here's a word of encouragement, okay? Don't forget it. Have you forgotten it? Word of encouragement that addresses you as sons. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. There's an encouragement for you. Why is that an encouragement? Do you know what the word encouragement means? It means to put courage in you. That's, that's literally the meaning. To encourage means to put courage inside. Do you know when God's disciplining, when he's, when he's taking you through a process, it's because he wants to put courage inside you. Because you need courage to step out in faith. And do not lose heart. Okay? It says endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? Okay. Do you know what the word discipline means? Has anybody got any idea on, on the Greek root of the word discipline? Yeah, it means to be taught and trained. Okay. The per- per- process of discipline is to be taught and trained. It's a learning process. And I'm, I'm really glad. I, I cottoned onto this one quite quickly in my, my early Christian life. Um, one of the reasons was I, I remember praying one time, God make me more patient. And he answered that prayer very, very successfully. I remember, I, remember, I regretted that prayer for two weeks. <laughs> you know what? If you want to be patient, your patience will only really be demonstrated when you have the opportunity to be patient or impatient. I thought, I thought, hey God, you're, you're pretty good at this teaching lark, aren't you? You're, and you're quite serious about it. And, uh, okay, so I, I resolved that I was going to learn the lessons quickly. I, this is, I thought, it's just a, a life tip for you. Learn lessons quickly because God will repeat the lesson if you don't learn the first time round. 
He really will. Why? Because he wants you to learn. Because he's treating you as sons. It, it, it's, you know, how many of you, okay, if you, say you've got children and you're trying to teach them to do their shoelaces up. Now, Velcro's an amazing thing, but trying to teach your kids to do tricks. You, know, you think, what would happen if you, oh, I'm, it's just too hard, we're just giving it up. He doesn't want to do it. Blah. And you've got a 15-year-old who can't do the shoelaces up. I know they don't bother anyway, but it's... it's, it's. <laughs> no, no, we, as, we as parents, we persist in training our children to do the things that, that, that needed in life, don't we? God does the same with us. And it says, in the end, it says, okay, verse 11, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. One of the most challenging parts of parenting is discipline. Because none of us like to actually inflict a painful process upon our children, do we? But I remember when Kerry was about, um, probably about six months old, she got mobile really quick, did Kerry? My word, she was, she was up and, so she would, one of her favourite to attractions was the plug sockets. Middle fingers. She was a really quick crawler. She could get there really quick. Now, I'm not sure we weren't that quick in getting I'm not sure if they had the protective things to go in the sockets at that stage, but we didn't have them in our house early on. So, so Kerry would make a beeline for the plug sockets. So what do we say? Oh, that's okay, dear. You just put your fingers in there. That's no problem. You're free to choose. It's all free. No, no, no. <laughs> no, we don't want you doing that. So, so we pick her up, pull her away. Then she heads off again. So we pick her up, put her away. Then we, she heads off again. Pick her up, put her away. And then she, she, she goes for it again. Now, bless her, she's she, I'm telling stories about her. But in the end, the only way that we could actually get her to not do it was a tap on her hand. Because she understood that. Then ah. she stopped doing it. Why did we do it? Because I didn't want her to be electrocuted. I didn't want to do it. She didn't enjoy it. It was painful. Did she learn from it? Yes. What it says here, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, and it usually usually is a later on, unfortunately, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace, okay, for those who have been trained by it. See, if you don't actually learn, then you don't change. You don't get the benefit of the teaching training. So God, God, this is an aspect of God's goodness to us, that actually he allows things to happen in our lives so so that we can grow and learn and, and grow in faith. And then it also says in that passage, and I've not read it out, is that, that we might share in his holiness. Oh, my goodness. Sharing in his holiness. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, it says this, verse 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart. That, that, how many times does that come through, not losing heart? So if you are in a situation where you've lost heart over something, I'm, I'm, in a few minutes I'm going to pray for you. I want you to make sure you get your heart back. We do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. Okay, so it can be really tough on the outside, but what's possible inside? Daily renewal. What is inside daily renewal is possible, because actually, who's inside you? Holy Spirit. You can know an inner strength and a fortitude that comes from him that will overcome anything that is thrown to you on a day-by-day basis. 
It says this, For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. I'll come back to that. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Our light and momentary troubles. This is Paul writing this, and he's been shipwrecked, he's been beaten, he's been scourged, I don't know how many times, three, three or three I think it was. What they say, they achieve something. And what I want you to know is whenever you go through a tough trial, the bigger it is, the bigger the reward you're waiting for, that's got waiting for you. There's a, currency, there's a currency exchange that goes on. Okay, it says, they achieve for us an eternal glory that outweighs them all. Isn't that amazing? So when I'm going through a really tough time, I just go into thankfulness. It's an eternal investment. It's not, don't get me wrong, it's not masochism. I'm not, I'm not enjoying this present, but I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the joy that's set before me. Yeah? For, the, for the joy that I think, hey, God, you're really good to me because you've got glory that far outweighs any of this stuff and it will never perish, spoil or fade. It will never be lost. It's a secure investment. Isn't that beautiful? We fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. I just want to tell you one last story and then uh, pray. Six weeks after Kerry was born, um, and uh, David was still two and a half, and we were living in Liverpool at the time, I, cutting a long story short, I had a, um, a, a lump removed from my back. And I didn't think anything of it, but it was a, suspected to be a malignant, a malignant melanoma. And um, I knew if it was, then my chances of living another five years were slim. Okay, now that's not much fun when you're 27 years old <laughs> and you've got a six-week-old daughter and a two-and-a-half-year-old son and a beautiful wife who you want to spend your life with. And so they, 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 I know how it works medically. And um, they said, oh, come back next week and we'll give you the results. That was a long week. First night, I went home. Unfortunately, I wasn't on duty in hospital for a few nights. And I went home and we went to bed and tired. We were, were tired, but there was no sleep coming my way. Absolutely no sleep. And I would get up and I just paced the floor. I would go between Kerry's bedroom and David's bedroom and our bedroom. I'd look at Kerry, who's six weeks old, just lying in a cot. Look at David, who's two and a half years old. I'd look at Kim and while they're sleeping and just thinking, I don't want to lose my life. I don't want to miss seeing my children growing up. I don't want to miss my life with Kim. So that was the first night. Second night. Go to bed exactly the same, just pacing the floor. Third night, no sleep. Absolutely no sleep. <clears throat> and then, and again, I wasn't very happy with God. Pretty miffed, to be honest. And then I came to this place, I said to God, okay, I don't really understand this. I don't like it, I'm not enjoying it. But I want to 
say this to you, God. I, I choose to trust you that if I die, you will do a better job than I ever could have done looking after my children and, and protecting my wife. And you know what happened in that moment? As I chose to trust him, as my faith was tested, this peace came into my being that guarded my heart and mind. It was a peace beyond all understanding, and I slept, went back and slept immediately. You know what? That was a trial that tested me about whether I was ready to give him everything, whether I really did trust him beyond the realms of this life, whether eternity was, was a, a reality of my, my trust. And that was such a powerful story that that has kept me since in many, many different ways. Because God tested my faith. And the first couple of nights, it wasn't looking very good. It looked pretty suspect. But when I decided I was really going to put it into place, I found that God gave me the real stuff. Because he is genuine. He really is. So, let me pray. Let us pray. Why don't you stand? If you're going through a tough time of any, any way at the moment, and that would not be surprising, I want you to give it to God. I want you to, to look for the joy that's set before you. Why don't you, and it says this, you rejoice, but that, that stuff, this, 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 the, the eternal hope that is, is a bedrock of Christianity. Without eternity, Christianity is Actually, foolish is what the Bible says. But let's thank God for eternity. Thank you, Lord, for eternal truth. Thank you that there are rewards waiting for me in heaven. And you want to give me extraordinary rewards. And Father, I don't always understand the process that you're taking me through, but I'll say I want to trust you. Will you do that? Just say... Father, I choose to trust you. I acknowledge that you are good. That you are beyond my understanding. Lord, would you perfect my faith? Father, I I choose to go on this journey with you. This journey of faith. Thanking you for an inexpressible joy that goes beyond the bounds of human reality. Hallelujah. Amen.